Exploring the Word is brought to you by Reclaiming America for Christ and the Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond, Oklahoma. This is Pastor Paul Blair. Thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word. Today we're going to continue a message that we began last time entitled, Let Me Comfort You As God Comforts Me. We welcome you to the radio ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We invite you to join with us for today's Exploring the Word. Here's Pastor Paul Blair. Ladies and gentlemen, God is not a God for our convenience. He is perfect love. He is perfect righteousness. He is perfect holiness. And He wants us to worship Him because He is worthy to be worshipped. He is God. And not because we simply want to be rich while we're on planet Earth. Now understand what God's goal is for us while we're here. God's desire for us is to become more like Him. You know, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, we are given this fact. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. There will never be a point in future history that we are more a child of God than we are right now. Now we are the sons of God, but it not doth yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We've covered that in Revelation. When we actually are caught up to be with the Lord, our bodies will be changed, as it says in 1 Corinthians 15 and 1 Thessalonians 4. We will be transformed and we'll be just like the Lord Jesus. Not in a body destined for a grave, but in an eternal body, glorified body. However, and every man that hath this hope in him, by the way, a hope in Christ is a promise, purifieth himself as he is pure. Paul deals extensively in the book of Romans with the Christian life, in particularly three phases. He deals with justification, sanctification, and glorification. Briefly, what justification is, is the moment you are saved, you are justified. They have a figure of speech, just as if you'd never sinned. We have been saved from the penalty of our sins. One of these days, we're going to be with Christ in heaven. We'll be in our glorified bodies, saved from the very capacity to sin. Saved from the power of sin. Saved from the presence of sin. In between there, from the moment we got saved until one of these days we'll be face to face with Jesus, we are to now be working out our own salvation with fear and trembling. Purifying ourselves as He is pure. Becoming more and more like Christ Jesus. That's the process of sanctification. After concluding a passage on salvation regarding the result of our salvation being the result of faith alone, Paul celebrates at the end of Romans 4 and the beginnings of, of Romans chapter 5. Read along with me. It says that Jesus was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Okay, part one, justified. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. It's all been paid for. We have been restored. By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Folks, I rejoice that I'm not going to spend eternity in this aging, decaying body. You know, look at my hairline right now. What do you think it would look like in 250 years? You see me trying to get up out of this chair or get up and I'm down on my knee praying right now? With these knees, what do you think I'd look like at 325? 
I am thankful that I can rejoice in the hope of the glory that's yet to come. And we'll not live in a world that's full of abortion and full of immorality and full of death and pain and sorrow and suffering. We'll live in eternity where there is no more tears and no more pain and sin and suffering. Hey, I look forward to that. I can rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. But notice as Paul continues, and not only that, but we glory in tribulations also. What, are you kidding me? We're supposed to glory in tribulations? Why? Knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. Paul says that we're not just to rejoice in the glory to come, but we're also to rejoice in tribulation. That word tribulation is the Greek word thlipsis. It means to be pressed hard together. Affliction, trials, distress a diamond is the most precious of gems when it is finished being shaped and polished by a master jeweler it's perhaps the most beautiful gem on earth the brilliance the sparkle what woman doesn't love a diamond and by the way I noticed a lot of the ladies that were sleeping just perked up at this point in the message And what woman doesn't long for the day when her beloved presents her with a diamond and asks her to be his mate? However, the chemical composition of that beautiful diamond and a hunk of coal is basically the same. The difference being the amount of exposure to high temperatures and extreme pressure. The primary factors that separate a hunk of carbon with very little value and a diamond is heat and pressure. If there was no heat and pressure, then that black piece of carbon would never become a gem. It would never appreciate in value. It is the heat and pressure that causes it to crystallize and to become beautiful. And in addition, it gains great strength as a diamond is the hardest of stones. Boy, what an interesting combination. Beauty, rarity, and strength. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants us to be strong and beautiful, and just like the pressure and heat causes a piece of carbon to become strong and beautiful and in great value, the same is true with us. Our passage says that tribulation or pressure worketh, that word worketh means results in, accomplishes, causes patience. Patience means steadfastness, endurance, or unwavering. If you were going to run a marathon, what would you do? Well, first of all, you'd need to have your head examined. But first, (laughs) you'd go out and you'd start running a mile. And once you got accustomed to your body enduring that mile, then you'd run a second mile. And then you'd run five miles. And little by little, wow, because of the exercising of the body, your testing of your body, you'd become more steadfast in your endurance. Tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience. What's experience? A veteran, proven, tried, battle-tested, reliable, consequently being usable by God. This pressure produces a steadfast, stable specimen of tried worth. Notice what the Apostle Paul had to say about the subject, about himself in Philippians chapter 4. He says, I have learned. Paul didn't read about it in a book. He experienced it. I have learned that in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. I know how to be abased and I know how to abound. Hey, he says, I know the lean times and I know the good times. 
everywhere and in all things I am instructed. I have been taught how to be full and to be hungry, how to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Paul was a steadfast vessel, tried and true, because he had been through the battles. Job said in the midst of all his struggles, though he slay me, yet will I trust him. Tribulation worketh patience and patience experience and that tried and true experience results in hope. Now ladies and gentlemen, hope with others is wishful thinking. But hope in God is confidence. Hope with God is absolute assurance. Teaching on this subject, Paul gave us an example of Abraham. Said that Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Abraham was 90. He was beyond the ability. His wife was beyond childbearing years. And God said, no, you and your wife are going to have a son. Physically impossible. But Abraham could take it to the bank because he knew it was God's promise. Therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not just written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for, also, for us also to whom it will be imputed if we believe on him that raised up our Lord Jesus from the dead. In other words, I have absolute confidence that God is in control and he will see me through. Amen. Folks, every one of us can think back to experiences in our lives or in another's lives, when night seemed to be at its darkest hour, yet God saw us through. You may not like what you're going through. You may not understand what you're going through. But you will see the reason. And you can know and have confidence that God will see you through. Now, let me interject this point as a reminder. This is a parenthetical insert if you've been with us for our study through revelation if you're experiencing hardship it could be for one of three reasons number one it could be natural law if you drive 90 miles an hour through a school zone you're going to get a big fat ticket and probably lose your driver's license and it's not god's fault it's because you're an idiot if you smoke two packs of cigarettes a day beginning at age 12 and the doctor tells you at the age of 70 that you've got incurable lung cancer, that's not God's fault. That's the consequence of your actions. Second thing, it could be because of disobedience. We saw the prophet Jonah wound up in a big storm in the Mediterranean Sea. Well, why was he there? Because God had told him to go to Nineveh and he said, nope, I'm not going to do what you want me to do. I'm going the other direction. And he wound up in a storm of sea because of disobedience. Folks, this too should be encouraging because the Bible promises us that to whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth and correcteth every son. You don't go to whopping on somebody else's kids, but you will spank your own because they're your children. The third reason you could be going through a trouble is spiritual growth. We see in the Bible another storm at sea. This time it was right after Jesus had fed the 5,000, came down to the Sea of Galilee, and the Bible says that Jesus constrained. He put his disciples in a little fishing boat and sent them out into the Sea of Galilee knowing that he was sending them out into a storm. Why? He was preparing them. He was teaching them because it was that night when they were in the midst of the storm and it looked hopeless that he came walking out across the water and in the midst of their suffering when they thought that they were all alone, they weren't alone. Jesus was right there with them. He was growing their faith. Now if you know that number one and number two are not the cause of your trials, 
If you know that you haven't just done something stupid which resulted in this suffering, and if you know that you haven't been willfully disobedient that has resulted in your suffering, then the Bible says in James 1 that we are to count it all joy. That word count is an accounting term. That means rather than uh, putting it as a negative, you are to consider it a positive. Count it all joy when you fall into divers' tribulations. Why? Because you know that God is working on you. God is preparing to use you. Folks, my struggles allow me to better minister to others, to better sympathize with others, to be a better encourager of others just like others have encouraged me with their own lives. And rest assured, if you serve the Lord, the devil is going to attack you. And the devil's goal is going to to try to discourage you, but God is going to use it to strengthen you, if you will. And remember, pressure results in steadfast Christian, encouraging others, confident in the Lord, a a hardened, beautiful diamond for God. Now, if I was your typical local preacher, we'd have the invitation right now. But instead, we're going to go to part two. The promise in trials. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also may a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You've all heard the old joke. What is the difference between minor surgery and major surgery? Minor surgery is if it's happening to you. Major surgery is if it's happening to me. Folks, there is no trial that you go through that someone else has not already survived or is not going through with you. Everybody suffers some kind of trial or tribulation. Ours just seems worse because it's happening to us. You may have more money than you can spend, but you may have an illness that money can't cure. You may have perfect health and a healthy business, but you may have a rebellious child. You may have good health and a happy family, but suffering through job uncertainty or money problems. The Bible says that there is no temptation taken to you, but such as is common to man. We are all going through temptations, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted, tested, suffer trials above what you're able to bear, but will, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you may be able to bear it. doesn't matter how much money we have. It doesn't matter how old we are. It doesn't matter what our sex is. We all suffer trials. Now, you may not make it, but that's your choice. You may decide to quit, but that's your decision. The Bible says that God will not abandon you and that God will enable you to take it. Now, there are those in our congregation that are enduring financial hardships right now. I know that to be true. There are those in our congregation, as I shared a while ago, that are suffering with failing health. There are those in our congregation that have lost jobs or at the risk of losing jobs. I want us to all remember one thing from this morning. You can take it. You're not alone. 
Everybody has a burden that might not seem important to you, but it's important to them. Others' burdens might not seem challenging to you, but they are challenging to them. But the Bible promises that God will not let you reach your breaking point without Him being there. That when you've reached the end of your rope, Jesus is there holding the rope to strengthen you and to encourage you that you may be able to bear it. Now, I've got a startling revelation for you. This verse doesn't say that when you've reached the end of your rope, God removes the problem. It says, but that with the temptation, God will enable you to bear up underneath the temptation. Remember the battle. God's desire is to strengthen you by the trials. The devil's desire is to defeat you and cause you to give up. We all endure trials. The difference is whether we bow up or give up. The difference is whether you keep on trying or you quit trying. Now the devil is hoping that you'll be so focused on your problems that you'll quit ministering to others. The devil wants you to be so consumed with your own difficulties that we'll quit serving God. The devil wants us to quit, but ladies and gentlemen, you cannot quit. The psalmist said in chapter 62, God is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. He didn't say, I will not move. He said, I will not be moved. In other words, I'm not going to let the devil push me around. The Lord is my strength. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to keep on keeping on. Hey, sometimes, ladies and gentlemen, all you can do is take the next step. And then take the next step. And that's exactly what you should do. When the devil tries to discourage you and say you should just quit going to church, you say, I will not be moved. When the devil tries to discourage you and say you're not worthy to be a deacon anymore, you say, I will not be moved. When the devil says you should quit teaching your Sunday school class, you say, I will not be moved. If the devil says if God really loved you, he wouldn't allow this to happen to you, you point your finger in his face and you say, I will not be moved. The devil says you're depressed, you're discouraged, you'd be a hypocrite to tell somebody about Jesus. You say, get away, devil, I will not be moved. Ladies and gentlemen, this world is not our home. Our citizenship is in heaven. We may not have the job we want, the money we want, or the education we want, but we have Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I refuse to quit serving my Lord. I refuse to give up, and I will keep on going and keep on serving. God is faithful. With the trials, He will provide you the strength that you need to bear up underneath them. And when you don't see how you can shoulder any more responsibility, then scoot over because the Lord's about to step in and help you shoulder the load. But you keep on moving and you shake your fist at the devil and you keep on walking in God's will. Part three, my final point the petition. In our trials. And this may be the most precious. Hebrews 4. Verses 15 and 16. Says this. For we have not an high priest. Which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. But was in all points tempted like as we are yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace 
that we obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Ladies and gentlemen, kings were considered gods among their people. When the Bible talked about Moses in the book of Exodus being brought up in Pharaoh's house, I understand what that meant. He had the finest of everything. He had the finest of education. He had the finest housing, the finest food, the finest clothing, plenty of money, an abundance of luxuries, the adoration of his people. How could that person possibly be able to relate to his subjects? But the Bible says about Jesus that he humbled himself, that he left his throne in heaven, that he became obedient even unto death. And although he was the king of kings and master of all creation, he came into this world as a helpless baby, needing his diaper changed. Rather than being born into wealth, he was born into poverty. The Bible says that our Savior, our high priest, who right now is interceding for us at the right hand of God the Father, was tested in all points, just like we are, but yet without sin. And it says that he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That expression comes from the Greek word sympasko, where we get the word sympathy. And it means to experience pain jointly or of the same kind. Jesus experienced our pain. Our Lord, our Savior, knows our struggles. For He experienced the same. Are you weary from work? Are you weary from your labor? Do you work in a job that causes you to work 60 hours a week? A construction site? Do you come home with calluses and a tired, aching back? Hey, for 18 years, Jesus worked six days a week as a carpenter. Jesus laid stone. Jesus set block. Jesus ripped wood. Jesus made furniture. Jesus fixed roofs. Hey, you know what? Jesus knew what it was like to have calluses on his hands. Jesus knew what it was like to come home at the end of the day, have a sore back, be tired. Hey, are you tired from your labors? We have a high priest that can sympathize with us. Do you live in modest means, wishing that you had greater luxury Bible says that Jesus was born in Galilee folks we don't understand this because most of us aren't fluent with Jewish history but that'd be like saying you came from southeast Oklahoma I mean that's like the the rednecks of the rednecks lived in Galilee and not only that but early on in his ministry the Bible says that Nathaniel who was a Galilean himself, he was a redneck, was making fun of Jesus, saying, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Jesus can sympathize with your poverty because Jesus was poor. 
Are you hungry and tired? How many times do you read in the Gospels where it says that Jesus was hungered and Jesus was tired? Are you poor and struggling to make ends meet? Although He created the cattle of a thousand hills, He owned none. The Bible says that the Son of Man had no place to lay His head. Do you lament that you don't have the perfect family? Jesus understands. The Bible says that His brothers didn't care for Him. As a matter of fact, they didn't believe in Him until after the resurrection. Are you struggling as a teenager? Guess what? Jesus knows, for He too was a teenager. Do your children not give you the respect you deserve? Jesus understands. He came unto His own, but His own received Him not. Have you had your name slandered? So did Jesus. Have you been falsely accused? So did Jesus. Have you been convicted of a crime that you didn't commit? So did Jesus. Have you wept at a loved one's grave? So did Jesus. Have you been betrayed and abandoned by your closest friends at your time of greatest need? So was Jesus. Have you faced death and wept and prayed for deliverance? So did Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, perhaps the greatest comfort to me is knowing that the God of all creation, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, our Savior, humbled Himself and learned obedience, the Bible says, so that as our high priest, we can with boldness approach His throne, crying out, Lord, mercy! Lord, grace! Jesus! Jesus! And know that He understands our suffering. He understands our heartache. For he was touched with the feeling of our infirmities, as he was in all points tested as we are, yet without sin. When we face trials, we may not understand why, but the Bible says to trust God and don't lean on your own understanding. In all our ways, acknowledge him. You keep on acknowledging him when trials surface and you don't understand, you just keep on serving God. When trials surface and you don't see why, then you just keep on trusting God. When trials happen and you're not sure why, you stay walking in God's will. And Jesus has promised that He will never leave us nor forsake us, that one day all things together will work out for good, and although we may not see it now, one day we will. And we'll join together in a heavenly chorus. And at that time, Brother Mike, even I'll be able to sing. And we'll cry out, Hallelujah. Praise be to our Lord. We thank you for joining us for today's edition of Exploring the Word, and we look forward to being with you next time. Until then, may God bless you. 
You've been listening to the teaching ministry of Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond. We hope that today's journey in God's Word has been a blessing to you. You can find more sermons and resources at our church's website, www.fairviewbaptistedmond.org or call 405-348-1745. Join us again each weekday for Exploring the Word from Fairview Baptist Church in Edmond.